1: This is Sirius XM Progress. Welcome. Happy Friday the 5th. We've gotten through the first week, almost, of 2024, and I'm so glad you're with us. This is Sirius XM Progress. Thank you, Dino Badala, for being such a great live lead-in. Thank you all the great programming on SiriusXM Progress all day that raises our game. My name's John Fiegelsang. I come to you from New York City. So does our producer, Thea Harper. She's in Brooklyn. Our executive producer, Chris Hauselt runs this beast out of the South Carolina Bureau. We are so glad y'all are with us tonight. 866-997-4748 will be our number for the next couple of hours. And we'd love to have you be part of our show. It's 866 997 Grit. We're going to be joined tonight uh, by some very special guests. Farai Chadea is going to be with us. She's the host of the terrific new podcast, January 6th, An American Story, which documents the role that people of color played in Congress's January 6th committee investigations. It's really cool. And turns out January 6th is far from over. We are still living through it. Every day is in the shadow of January 6th. Our number is 866-997-4748, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, The Big Show, Sexy Liberal Tour with Stephanie Miller and Hal Sparks and Frangler and me will be in San Francisco two weeks from tomorrow on the 20th uh saturday night please be there come on up to san francisco we're going out to la next week the week after next i guess we will be in la the whole week leading up to the big show in san francisco and bringing some of our favorite los angeles journalists and comics uh back into the hollywood spaces for sirius xm hope you'll be there with us uh i think we're all set it was a crazy day guys i'm like trying to keep track of the news to be able to come here and act like i know what i'm doing did y'all pay attention to the news today because it it Really didn't stop. And it was a crazy one. The Supreme Court said they will take up Donald Trump's appeal of Colorado's 2024 ballot decision. The oral arguments will begin on February 8th. The House Republicans are going to come back to session Tuesday in a very chaotic situation. They're only going to have eight session days before the first government shutdown deadline. And their little tiny majority is about to get a lot tinier. Also, and we're going to be having some fun with this tonight, a longtime NRA chief and mass murder accomplice Wayne LaPierre resigned uh, just days before the start of the massive civil trial brought against the NRA by the state of New York. And uh, Letitia James is having a very busy January. She petitioned the judge to raise the penalty in Donald Trump's civil fraud trial to $370 million from $250 million. It's okay. He's a billionaire. He can afford it. Right. Closing arguments in the summary judgment case will begin next week. Donald Trump is going to wind up destroying everything he inherited from both Barack Obama and his father. The economy had 216,000 jobs in December. Hiring picked up from a more muted pace in the fall. The FDA approved a plan that's going to allow Florida, of all places, to import cheaper prescription drugs From Canada, well done, Florida. Thank you for being a leader in some way. I have said for many years, how do you call us a free market when we're not even allowed to buy the cheaper drugs from our neighbor? And a massive storm system is surging through the country. that's going to bring the first real blast of winter to much of the eastern United States this weekend. The CDC reports a nearly 20% nationwide jump of influenza cases last week. That's on top of the record IRSV cases. And actor David Sowell of Starsky and Hutch, has left us at the age of 80. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Oh, and if you want to come see our show uh, Saturday the 20th in San Francisco at the beautiful, stunning Herbst Theater, uh, do me a favor. Go to sexyliberal.com, and that's where you get everything you need. Okay, I think we're all set. Are we all set? We got the team all ready? Let's, uh, Let's have a show. Welcome to it. Happy birthday to Diane Keaton. She is... 78 years old today. Uh, and happy birthday to Robert Duvall, who is 93 years old this date. I'm John Fugel saying we are at 866-997-4748. And taking your calls, let's go to Sean in Cali. Sean, thank you so much for your patience on hold. Welcome. You're on progress.
2: Hey, brother John. So Hello. You know, what are, can you hear me? I hope. Yes, so. I can. Yes. You know, what's about to happen if we don't get our act together has happened before, so all of us are like the canary in the in the mine. You know, we are uh, telling people, "Look, you're about to kill yourselves if you don't figure this out and make sure you do the right thing." And, yeah. and, and in the past, I know everyone gets all political. Oh gosh, you're just a democratic operative. Want that? You know, I get that, but you know, I mean, but that I get it. But what I'm saying is. Look, this is now um, where we understand there is no, we don't want to be part of the false equivalency. There's no equivalency. This not that I can see. Reveling. I mean, if we will I'll I'll
1: I'll trash Democrats all day when it's fair. You know, you want to talk about not doing anything about corporate money in politics. Fine. I'll go after the Democrats for supporting the Iraq war for all the, you know, regressive policies sure. that Clinton pushed. I'll do it all day. But we are Me way, too. way, way past the time when you can say these two parties are the same. I mean, it's not even close anymore.
2: No. And, and, and then that's it is that, you know, if you. Criticized but not demonized because we have our bad apples. Hello, Menendez. You need to go. I mean, hell, we threw out Al Franken. He didn't even touch her. You know, I was like, gosh, we have that much uh, principles and morals yet. We seem well, to kill ourselves. We seem to kill ourselves internally. I'm not. Saying-
1: I mean, Demi- well, that, that is one of the differences. I mean, that's Donald Trump's a rapist, right? And you know, when you when you look at the Democrats, they 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 eject them, and Republicans reelect yeah. them. I mean, if you're a Democrat <laughs> and you do something sexually untoward, chances are you yeah. are out. Katie Hill. Al Franken, John Edwards, Hello. Brock Adams, Elliot Spitzer, Kwame Kilpatrick, Jim McGreevy, uh, Bob Wise, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, Bob Filner, I uh, uh, ah! Anthony Anthony Weiner. I could do this treat. all night. Anthony Weiner, like the worst, the, the, the greatest sexual scandal in history that had absolutely zero sex. My God, if Anthony Weiner had just had a mistress like a normal congressman, he'd still be serving for God's sakes. But post Bill Clinton, post Me Too, the Democratic Party does not protect these people anymore. That's why the Epstein thing, I, I don't care if Bill Clinton was an... Bill Clinton has not been accused of doing anything illegal or inappropriate in in Epstein's company. But if Bill Clinton did, you know, you know, Democrats would cut him loose forever. (laughs) And Republicans, (laughs) if they found out Donald Trump had raped a child, they would reject the evidence itself.
2: Well, this is exactly what we're up against, people. And, um, you know, it really requires us to just be completely engaged for this entire year john and i mean Amen. take it seriously in the sense of just do a little bit more in your vote but i did want to say before i you know you know go in and have a nice weekend with my son we're holding down the fort ordered okay. a pizza made popcorn it's a nice weekend is nice that? i'm seeing you january 20th in san francisco vip baby I'm going to see you all and We're going to enjoy it. Everyone, please get your tickets now.
1: All right, I want to get a I want to get a picture with you so I can prove to Chris and Thea that we hung out. All right, <laughs> so they dared me. Thank you so much, Sean. Have a great evening and a great weekend. We want to know what you guys think. We're at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. 866-997-GRIT. We will be back in just a moment. I am so excited to welcome tonight's guests and to talk a little bit more about January 6th and some of the uh, well-sung and unsung heroes who helped the committee get the findings that led all of these legal machinations to begin. Don't go anywhere. This is progress.
3: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: And welcome back. I'm John Fuglesang. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We will be broadcasting live from New York all next week. And then L.A. the week after that. Looking forward to having uh, some of our good friends in Los Angeles back in the Hollywood studios. Okay, I am so excited to welcome our next guest, especially on a day like this I hope you're having a very happy and healthy and safe January 6th but our next guest has been doing some real amazing work to get the word out about the actual facts of January 6th and who some of the unsung heroes were who actually helped not just bring the information to a greater American audience. But I am of the firm belief that if those hearings had not happened in the summer of 2022, we would not see the indictments we have seen in the last year. Farai Judea is the creator and host of Our Body Politic, which is a terrific nationally syndicated public radio show, podcast and insights brand centering on black women and all women of color seeking to build a better nation and world. Ms. Judea is the author of six books, including The Episodic Career, How to Thrive at Work in the Age of Disruption. She has covered every presidential election from 1996 on. She's worked for CNN, ABC, NPR, 538, been on many other networks. Now, Our Body Politic has just released an essential six episode special podcast series on the January 6th insurrection. And the investigation, it's called January 6th, an American story. It is a limited series podcast, only six episodes, and it focuses in on the stories of seven January 6th investigators and writers to explain how the inner workings of the committee were shaped by deep rifts over the role that racist and Christian nationalist movements played in the insurrection. It is a great pleasure to welcome Farai Judea to Sirius XM.
4: John, with an introduction like that, you make me think I have a career.
1: (laughs) Well, I know the feeling. The nice thing about working in uh, radio is we only get to book the guests we really want to have, as opposed to TV, where I've got to put on a fake smile all the time for people. I I love what you're doing, and um, I'm very inspired by it. I'm still so grateful to the January 6th committee. I don't think we would be seeing these indictments without their work. You wouldn't. Was this an idea that had to be fulfilled? What was the origin of January 6th, an American story? How did this particular take on this dynamic come to be?
4: I have been covering domestic violent extremism since I was interviewing Klan members at the age of 25 in a uh, snowy park and ride lot. My friend Thomas came with me. I was like, Thomas, I'm going to go interview some clan members. Can you roll with me? He's like, they don't like race mixing. But of course, you're my dog. I will roll with you. So we were like, there'd been a blizzard. It was um, a a grand wizard and two people from his clavern. One of them definitely armed. And we talked. I bet they
1: respected you. I bet they respected you.
4: They respected me. I mean, I'm from Baltimore. Uh, Frederick isn't that far. I just, I showed up. I showed up for them. And, and what we what we could have done in America is listen to the Trump voters in 2016. We would have a completely different situation. I I, as a black woman, have endured a lot of trauma to understand the Christian nationalist movements and the white supremacy movements, because I love people and I love America. It doesn't mean that we'll win, but I am willing to talk to people and to risk my own life to do it.
1: I respect that deeply. I'm the child of two ex clergy, a nun and a Franciscan brother. I'm much the same way. I'm always thrilled to get conservative brothers and sisters on the show. And I value any time a positive connection can be made because I know from painful experience that hate makes us stupid. I I do want to push back a bit. I, I don't feel that Donald Trump supporters weren't being heard before the election. In fact, um, the New York Times narrative about economic anxiety, I thought, always rang kind of kind of hollow when you consider that the overwhelming majority of low-income Americans went for Secretary Clinton.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that the media screwed up. Basically, if you look at Les Moonves saying, Trump's Boom. not good for America, but he's good for CBS. So true. It is the way that the media put a level of greed as the filter on the election. I was working for 538 and I was writing stories that should have at a minimum been 2000 words or you know better yet 4000 words. I would spend 3 days with Trump voters in eastern Ohio where one of my dearest friends from college is from and Nate silver cut me down to 800 words because he didn't believe what I was telling him. And really yeah, it, it's one of it's and and Nate Silver also ran his business for like seventeen years without ever making a profit. My company is completely broke. We this may be our last thing. If we don't get donations now, we will go out of business, and we will go out with pride. Um, right on, well, right on. We had to do this work. It this this work is, I, I so many times have wondered why I stayed in journalism and practiced it the way I did? And was it worth it? And the answer after doing this documentary is yes, I did what I had to do. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to talk about January 6th, an American story, because I think it's one of those podcasts that everyone needs to hear. And I want to begin by asking you about the most recent episode, what do we mean when we say that January 6th is not over?
4: We are entering a period of Enhanced threat of domestic violent extremism when you have been using boogaloo and other code words to sell a huge amount of ammo and guns. And you have a stunning mental health crisis that's not a good look for America, so people are going to die, it will not be a traditional civil war, it will be what I call a rolling insurrection. Um, and we are about to enter it. I think it will probably happen right after the 2024 election. It could happen sooner with all of the prosecutions, but heavily armed, emotionally distressed people are about to have their say about politics. And uh, at my house, that's where I'm doing this interview, I have an external uh, power supply, I have dried food and I have water. And that's because I want to be able to run a mobile newsroom for at least three days out of my house without any um, external support. These are the kinds of things I wish I don't think, you know, things I wish I didn't have to think about. But I come from military people. My uncle, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver Stokes, spent two years. He's a math genius who uh, went to Hopkins when black people didn't go to Hopkins. He got a bronze star in Vietnam for running the communications wire there. And he's the the army sent him for two years of training so that he could be the liaison to the royal family of Saudi Arabia. Hmm. My cousin Jake, otherwise known as handsome cousin Jake, was infantry in Iraq and then later Apache in Afghanistan. And pretty cousin Jake is cherubic, like little red cheeks fair skin, the only thing that possibly marks him as a black person is his hair, which you don't have a lot of in the army. And he was like, wreck is coming. People have tried to recruit me into domestic violent extremism movements because I'm a light skinned nigga and wreck is coming. And one of the things that that pretty cousin Jake said to me was he was like, he's, he's about to become a commercial fixed wing pilot, but he was like, you know what? Because I will always fly a helicopter to rescue you. And I'm like, Hmm. thanks, Pretty Cousin Jake. So I'm going to build a roof deck. And I do not think I will need to be evacuated. But if I do, Pretty Cousin Jake will come get me. That's the kind of people I'm
1: (laughs) I mean, I always wonder how military families can stand support for this particular administration, because it just seems like such an effrontery to everything they're taught, to say nothing of his long, long history of disparaging military families.
4: Yeah. Yeah, but I I also, um, I wrote uh, something called The Call to Whiteness. You can find it online. It's uh, published twice, once on my blog and once at Medium. And I wrote literally this 3,700 word piece in longhand first, and then typed it into the computer because I was so fucking mad about Nate Silver and how he um, constrained my reporting. But I was like, I was like, white supremacy and domestic violent extremism are coming for America. This is what you need to know. And I talk about this Afro, this crude Afro Brazilian woman who was on an Amtrak train with me, who was talking about how she voted for Trump and how all these losers had voted for the Democrats. And she was hitting on this Asian business guy who was completely uninterested and frankly traumatized by it. But basically, Trump gave her the the chance to be an asshole. that's what she
1: was looking for that's the that's the license he gives yes i mean the first president to do the opposite of appealing to the better angels of our nature but actually saying no folks be as vulgar as you want to be that crudeness that cruelty that's that's strength and weak people think cruelty is strength but i want to ask about about some of the investigators that you cover in the legal eagles episode of the podcast because you really choose a a fascinating cross-section of investigators. And I guess the one thing a lot of them have in common is they're all choosing to defend a nation that hasn't always defended them.
4: Yeah. I mean, when I think about my family, my, my grandmother died of medical negligence from she had stomach issues. And four years after she should have gotten routine treatment for colon cancer, she had a mass the size of a grapefruit. She'd given birth to four service members and to my mom, who was in one of the early classes of the Peace Corps in Morocco and hitchhiked through Nigeria and was a reporter in Zambia where I was conceived. But what killed her career was having kids. You know, Um, that's America is is that one of the most brilliant women in the world couldn't have a career. But she taught me about inquiry. My family was Catholic. We have so much faith we were told to love everyone my grandmother's best friend was a jewish woman and when her jewish woman married a catholic she she sat shiva for him and uh wow. my grandmother was like you realize that i'm catholic right and this is a little like stingy and she was like oh yeah never mind and then she stopped sitting shiva for her son and then she got a grandkid but sometimes that's what you do. Sometimes people you love make stupid decisions, but you just keep loving them.
1: Sure. How did you find the investigators that you wanted to interview and, and cover for the podcast?
4: So Samia Dayananda is is married to a badass FBI agent who is a Jamaican-American brother who is uh, who was mentored by Marsha Cook of ESPN. And he gave her a little medal and basically was like, you are the you made me the man who I am today. So they are a dual law enforcement family. So Samia Dayananda is, as she puts it, Indian Amish. Um, Her parents (laughs) were were professors in central Pennsylvania, and she has a super specific I love voices. She has a super specific central Pennsylvania accent. But she's, um, you know, a South Asian woman. Um, who would go spend summers in Bangalore and is now married to a Jamaican-American and has, you know, some beautiful children. And she is here to defend them. And through mm-hmm. her, everyone else, including Candace Phoenix, who really is the most divine creature. She is she's the next um, Thurgood Marshall, if she wants to be, but she's also exhausted. Like Jamie Raskin was like, she should be on the Supreme Court. I was like, I know. And and Candace was like, I think I'm more of a policy person. So, Hmm. like, if she doesn't want to if if I don't if if she doesn't want to be on the Supreme Court, I get it. But she should be.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, Congressman Raskin. He's a friend of this show. And you talk with him for the fifth episode called The Lawmakers. You also talk with the committee chairman, Benny Thompson and uh, former Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger. I was fascinated by those interviews. And I'm curious, what surprised you about the the inner workings of the committee?
4: Kinzinger's story was I mean, this man fears for his life every day because of decisions he made. He brought a gun to the Capitol on January six because he knew what was going to go down. He's a a former service member. And, um, you know, at this point, you know, people who he served with are are, are basically like, you're a traitor. I will take you out. So when we were trying to do this interview with him, but um, He wouldn't tell us where we were doing the interview. Like we had a network TV crew. We were like, we need a location. And he didn't give it to us until the last minute because people are trying to kill him. And one of the the most telling uh, things in the documentary, as I mentioned, Samia Dayananda. Yes. The the black nannies in the congressional daycare refused to go work on January 6th. They were like, shit is going to go down. If you really? want to know what's happening in America, ask a West Indian woman.
1: <laughs> that I mean, they knew it was happening, you know, I mean, oh,
4: absolutely.
1: But but that's that's the kind of interviews that I think really give us a sense of what was going on behind the scenes that we didn't get from watching the whole miniseries on C-SPAN. I mean, you talk to a homicide prosecutor, two judge advocate generals, uh, military prosecutors, you call them the dream team inside the dream team. And it yeah. seems like for all the content we saw, there were a lot of narratives that some of the investigators would have preferred make their way to the forefront of the uh, committee's televised hearings.
4: There's a whole body of work called the Book of Purple. It exists on um, just security, which is like a legal wonk website. But there are 52 different documents that are all robust, written by people like former uh, New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman, Mm -hmm. all saying the house is about to be on fire. You might want to get some water. And this was material that did not make it into the report because Liz Cheney didn't want it in the report. And Benny Thompson, who was who who was and is an incredible leader, was like, I have to choose country over, you know, what I normally would do. He he knew that the Book of Purple was essential, but he also knew that Liz Cheney was the only thing that was landing the plane. These are the kinds of, of decisions people had to make.
1: Now, the Book of Purple, my understanding is it's it's more than 50 different testimonies that argue that you can't talk about January 6th without bringing in historical perspectives on white supremacy. And when I look at that investigation that day, what I saw was a man who gained the White House, launched his political career on a racist smear against the first black president who was trying to throw out the votes of primarily African-American voters in Pennsylvania and Arizona that day whose supporters carried confederate flags into a capital that was once built by slaves and we're all supposed to believe that this had nothing to do with racism
4: yeah i mean it's fascinating kinzinger who i respect so much just wouldn't get into the racial narrative but chairman thompson led the hearings by saying basically like this country has been trying to kill me my whole life let me explain why this is important to you and your children he grew up in uh, a, a little town of less than 500 people where they had absolutely no services. You know, it was a majority black town, but it was white run. The schools had no gym, no art supplies, no nothing. Basically, it was a one room schoolhouse where dedicated people, you know, taught children, but there was nothing for them. And yeah. so he ran for al- alderman and later for mayor and one. And the police chief was a good guy, but he said, I have to resign because basically I will be killed if I remain the police chief. And he's like, God bless. And that's the kind of thing. So that Chairman Thompson has seen it.
1: Yeah, your your second episode is called 187 Minutes. And most of us know what that refers to. And it really brings people behind the scenes to show what went into the investigation and how the case was built against Donald Trump. And it's really about why they felt it was so important to present the case to the American public in these nationally televised hearings. What did you learn about the machinations behind bringing this massive enterprise to broadcast?
4: So one of the things that came out is that basically all of this, you know, it's a follow the money situation. So Tamadayo uh, Gonga Williams is a financial crimes dude. And he found out that the Trump administration was making they made like 250 million dollars off of bringing you know like talking about you know the the stolen election they knew Mm -hmm. it was a lie they knew it would incite people but it was filling the coffers so first of all it's a financial play secondly it's a misreading of the first amendment the first amendment protects peaceful speech this was not peaceful speech (laughs) this was a plan to kill people you know?
1: absolutely right yeah and, um, and, and we
4: had a party last night and uh sergeant aquilino ganel came he's like a dominican a foul-mouthed dominican brother who we have to bleep for public radio but he was like it was game of thrones up in there he he was like it was hand-to-hand combat that's that's what we were doing like he's a former military member and he was a police officer and he was broke and mm. The wife, uh, I mean, fiance of Officer Brian Sicknick gave him money so that he could get treatment for his PTSD because our government was not resourcing him. So this woman who's grieving her fiance, who died as a result of January 6th, is lending money to another person who did that hand-to-hand combat so he will not go crazy. Amazing.
1: Amazing. And it's the stories like that. I mean, it's a terrific series for, for Ayah um The series, once again, is called January 6th, An American Story. And it really shows what went into the committee's work beyond what made it into the final report. And really shows a lot of insights about the threat of extremism, the implications for the future of our democracy, and how January 6th is still happening all around us. Farai Chadea, it's such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for making this excellent series. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work?
4: Yep, go to OurBodyPolitic.com. And we truly are broke. And, I, and I'm not worried about it. I mean, one of the things, my grandmother was a woman of great faith. And if we are fated to continue, we will. And if not, we're good with it because we did what we tried to for democracy.
1: Right on. Thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure. And thanks for this excellent podcast. We have to take a very quick break. We will be right back with your calls on Sirius XM. We're at 866-997-4748.
2: Freaker or wherever you get your podcast on, because, you know, I love it when you do.
1: This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugel. saying we are at 866-997-4748. That is 866-997-GRIT. I know you just want to hear about the Jeffrey Epstein list. Not much to tell just yet, uh, except David Copperfield was there doing magic tricks. But um, like Bill Clinton uh, and everybody else on the list, uh, he has not been accused of any wrongdoing just yet. We'll let you know as soon as we hear anything interesting. I mean, there's plenty interesting in there. Let's just say uh, from what we've heard so far, uh, Alan Dershowitz is going to have a tougher time getting a table in a restaurant in in the Cape. What do you say, Chris?
5: Some shocking names on there, I thought. Robert Oppenheimer, Howard Hughes, Walt I didn't see Disney, those. Fatty Arbuckles yeah. on there.
1: Donnie Most. Yeah. No, none of the Jimmy Kimmel, if you want to get sued. No. Um, Guy from but we did Heroes. learn that Epstein allegedly forced a minor to uh, have sex with Alan Dershowitz, which is to say to be raped by Alan Dershowitz because she was a minor. And um, we know that Dershowitz played a big role in that deal in Florida. He, he, he became Trump's impeachment attorney, but he was accused of raping this Jane Doe number 3 on multiple occasions while she was a minor. He also played a very significant role in negotiating Jeffrey Epstein's non-prosecution agreement after his arrest. And of course, you know, the one who negotiated to get Epstein off the hook was uh, Donald Trump's labor secretary, Alex Acosta. In other words, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton. That's pretty much what you'll be hearing. And Prince Andrew, uh, not looking good, (laughs) not looking good. I need someone saner than me and smarter than me and more moral than me. And it's not hard to find. But one of my favorites is here. Dr. Tracy Pearson is a legal analyst and consultant you've seen on TV and heard in radio and podcasts. She's been in Forbes and Fast Company, the New York Post, Cheddar News and News Nation. We have hit the lotto that we get her on the show. Dr. Pearson, it's so good to have you back and a happy Happy New New Year to you. you.
6: New Year to you and she who is chaos has arrived.
1: <laughs> it's great to see you. Now, I say that ironically because you are one of the most organized people I have. And you've had some really, really great takes over the entire break. I want to thank you for keeping me sane during the Christmas break <laughs> uh, when social media was a, a little too insane. Of course, we're having this conversation a day after Claudine Gay has resigned as the president of Harvard. She will now be. Be known as the shortest serving president of Harvard. She's still going to be on the faculty. Uh, You looked into the complaint. And my understanding is these complaints were not written by anybody who goes to Harvard or has anything to do with the actual university.
6: No, no. In fact, uh, it read like drivel to me. I have a background in research integrity, and obviously, I have a second doctorate. And you guys were talking earlier. I heard when the callers talking about you know uh, women and how they're treated, and and how women are dumbed down. And boy, do I get it on TikTok or on TikTok on Twitter or everywhere. It oh say, says Dr. Tracy Pearson, J.D. Yeah, assholes. I have two doctorates. But in any event, um, but you only and- got
1: those doctorates because of DEI, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's my other favorite thing. Everything is totally, DEI. yeah,
6: had nothing to do with my qualifications at all or my skills. But uh, as I, I will demonstrate, too, but the I don't know,
1: Tracy, I think you might have taken a job away from a mediocre man. Just
6: certainly. Yes. Um, but the the reality is, is that that this complaint read like dribble. I, I, you you would set this up completely differently. Um, and one of the things that struck me was that it starts out with, I think, a, a reference to a, a document she wrote in 93. And, and I scratched my head and I went, wait a minute. It took me a while to find this. The APA is the American Psychological Association, and they have a, a manual for publication and style that is used in the social sciences. That is how you cite uh, sources. And right. it's, it's, it's big, okay? And, okay? and it gets revised every 10, 15 years. The one that okay. would have been in place in 93 was written in 1986, um, and it was, vol- version th- or it was uh, edition three. The current one okay. is edition seven. The rules change on how you do things, mm. so you know. I, I sit here and I go. So you're, I, sa- I'm,
1: you're saying you're saying the rules that applied were still version <clears throat> three, but here in 2024, we're up to version seven.
6: Exactly. Actually, yeah. I mean, in essence, yeah. It's it's version seven. It came out a couple of years ago. It's what I used for my dissertation and. They're mind-numbing rules of where you put the periods and things and the stuff and, and how you you annotate things and, and cite things. Um and, and every discipline has something different. So for example, social sciences have APA, the um English folks have like NLA, the um the law people have the blue book. Um right. it is all different. And so I looked at it and it just struck me as what a what a shitty. Dirty, nasty, filthy thing for Elise Stefanik to do to start this fight. And and she really deserves my boot up her ass. She really does based on everything that I've heard.
1: Yeah, this is someone who, you know, she said she was doing this because uh, she cares about anti-Semitism, right? That's her crusade here. And um, and again, yeah, I, I've said this from the beginning, if you're Claudine Gay and you're going in to testify to Congress in front of Republicans and there's TV cameras there, you better be ready because they are going to be looking to trip you up and destroy you any way they can. And they were not satisfied with her response about what she would do against students who exercise the First Amendment and say that you should be allowed to exterminate Jews. On Twitter, that's no problem for Republicans. But in Congress, it is. But but really, Elise <laughs> Stefanik doesn't care about any of this stuff. If she cared about anti-Semitism, she would call out Paul Gosar or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Nick Fuentes or Kanye West. She will not do it. She did this for popularity. And, and Tracy, I, I, it seems to me, Harvard didn't have her go because of the plagiarism 27 years ago. It was because donors were mad. And that's what drives all this action at universities is, are the donors unhappy?
6: It's the donors and it's the public pressure. Uh, you know, you have universities that, that fail to investigate things and there's a crisis that occurs. Um, I'm writing a book about it right now. And, um, and they manipulate and utilize the research or rather the, uh, the investigation methods in their organization that are supposed to be used to help people. They manipulate mm-hmm. that to protect people who are in power. Um, and people who are in power, what I mean by that is people who are the most valuable to them and and value based on how much money they can bring in or they are worth. So, you know, a faculty member who brings in GADs of money through grants is, is unlikely to be held accountable versus right. a staff person who uh, brings in no money and costs them in benefits and and hourly pay um, and may, in fact, have, have English as a second language. So I think that you know, there's a there's a uh, when I heard these answers, the answers were the correct answers in Congress. They were the correct legal answers. And and for at least Stefanik to 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 take them to task for sounding too legal. She's an asshole. I mean, I could pound the table over this for hours because she knew full fucking well. Yeah, you she know doesn't I don't care. Do she that. doesn't
1: mean any of it, but she doesn't mean she, any of it. I mean, like this, this, this woman has. She- Traded she's her, funny. traded her public service, traded her credibility, traded what came with the Harvard degree for blind obedience to Donald Trump. She doesn't care. She's fundraising off of this. Literally, she's sending out fundraising emails off of this. And I don't think we should be surprised. They, they, they're it's, not going to do funny. anything to improve the lives of Republican people. This, this helped no. no one. This made no one's
6: life better. No, and in fact, if you think about it, she went to Harvard, right? So um, when Harvard gets their ass nailed because if, if Claudine Gay had given the answer she wanted, which was yes, yes, that fact pattern you just gave me is absolutely something that's against our policy. Even though there are pending investigations right now because of conduct, Uh, allegedly committed by people on campus. Um, And so she would have compromised those investigations. You better believe that at least Stefanik would have been up Harvard's ass over the fact that they had gotten themselves in a sling over the fact that that they answered that question the way she wanted. The fact is, is that she doesn't care. She was nowhere on me, too. She was she's best buddies with Trump, who I just read a document uh, out of that Epstein stuff where he he is. He he forcibly rapes three teenagers
1: who does. Dershowitz? Trump. Oh, Trump in the document yeah. that went out tonight.
6: There's a yes, there's a pleading. And um, I've I've read a couple pages of it. I was sitting here listening to you and reading the pages. And so there are, are, are a number of instances in this document where where he has tied a girl to the bed. Where he forced two uh, girls to engage in a lesbian sex act for his own gratification, and uh, threw money at another girl in case she got pregnant because he want she wanted him to wear a condom, and he wouldn't. And, but these, and are not, so, these are not new, these are
1: not news these are not news stories. I've heard the I've heard that story before, and stories, I don't-
6: the stories are out there, but the pleadings are stark. They're so stark and disgusting and and vomit inducing. And so, where is this woman? On 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 Donald Trump and all these other assholes. She's nowhere. Yeah. What she is. is She's throwing another woman under the bus for nothing. And that is disgusting. I take hmm. issue with women who shit all over other women to gain notoriety or power.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, no surprise there. At least Stefanik thinks that women should go to jail if they terminate pregnancies. So, you know, Ugh. I, I am anyway, not was completely shocked. Well, I thank you for it. I think you're exactly right, you know, and, and you're right about the fact that she wasn't there for me, too. And again, Donald Trump had a Jew hater <laughs> who has called for the execution of non-Christians to his house for Thanksgiving dinner. And at least I couldn't be bothered to criticize that. You're, you're right. It's just it's just all performative bullshit. It helps no one's life. And the best part about it is I, I don't think it's going to help. At least in her career at all, it'll be forgotten by mm-hmm. next week. Let's go to the phones. Yes. We have a bunch of people who want to call in and say hi. Our number is eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Let's go to Brian in Oregon. Brian, thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on with Doctor Tracy.
6: Uh, John, hi. Uh, hey, Tracy. Brian. Hey. Good to hear you. Uh,
5: you're uh, riled up. I don't think I've heard you curse so much. Well, I don't. Oh, uh, I'm,
6: I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm fit to be tied, buddy.
5: To me, it's mm-hmm. like morning language. You know.
6: No. <laughs> oh, I do when I'm not on air. John knows this. Uh-huh. I do when I'm not on air.
5: Well, yes. it's just, I think if you got great cause to, cause, yeah. I mean, the, the obscenity of it all. And by the way, <laughs> with, with now it's in the in whatever the pleading is or whatever uh, about Trump tying up women on a bed or something in a lesbian sex act so he could watch. Doesn't that sound like Russia?
1: Um <laughs> well, I mean sort yeah, sorta, yeah, yeah, I don't think that's in the document that came out tonight though i what what I've read that w- was in the document tonight was that someone testified that uh she had never given a massage to Donald Trump and she'd never been ordered to have sex with donald trump, but, but i I didn't hear that this stuff was in, was included in the the new list that just came I'll, out. I'll
6: send it to you or I'll, or I'll Please do. It. it's it's like nine hundred pages right of on. stuff, wow, so yeah,
1: wow that's
5: about okay, like the uh, project twenty five 2025. What about it? pages. 900 pages.
1: Oh, yes, but <laughs> sure. Project <laughs> 2025 I mean. scares me more than Jeffrey Epstein, but go on. Oh,
5: me too, me too. That's it's all, well, for an outside of the server, it all seems to be in the past, but I hope these people, well, they can't sue him. He's dead. But anyways, right. John, I, I hate to say this, but I, you, you, I think I had almost verbatim the same talk with a guy, Mike, from uh, Pennsylvania last year. Tell me. I'm probably the only one that remembers that. What but happened? Oh, uh, same thing. Same exact call about abortion. And uh, <laughs> you know, the guy's got a really distinct voice. He reminds me of uh, Archie Bunker.
1: Oh, you're saying the same exact guy. Dr. Tracy, we had a conservative I Christian I listened, I heard, on. I heard. Oh, yeah. I
6: heard, he was very I'm entertaining.
1: I love those I guys.
5: I proud of you. Yeah. John, you, you, were, you were right to script as, as you were a year ago. <laughs> I thought what I do you mean? Having, I thought I was having it like a an aneurysm or something. Oh, I know,
1: I know, I know. My my problem is, I love having these guys on and talking to them, and then I forget how much it infuriates all the nice people in the audience. So I'm sorry to everyone that you have to I wait while we smiling. talk to them.
5: I was actually finding it humorous. Uh, okay, myself. But uh, uh, another thought on my head uh, on my head, in my head is uh, that I think Biden should go to Planned Parenthood clinics. Uh, Tell me. In the- Well, I think it would, instead of sending like the woman, Kamala Harris, to the women's clinics and birth control and stuff, I think it would be a much better message to people, citizens, for the goddamn president to go to Planned Parenthood clinics. Yeah, it's
1: not a bad idea. Not a bad idea.
5: Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, some of these other swing states, Georgia.
1: What do you think about that, Tracy? I mean, I mean, we're hearing a lot about how Joe Biden is really preparing to uh, begin the campaign year with uh, tremendous vigor. He's going to go to Valley Forge of all places for the third anniversary of the attack on our Capitol of January 6th. And um he's going to be right there. And on Monday, he's going to go to the South Carolina church where Dylan Roof massacred all the black oh, folks. Wow. I mean, Biden is really kicking off the year of campaigning to cast this election in very stark terms, drawing the contrast, going to the South Carolina church, going to Valley Forge on the anniversary of Donald Trump trying to throw out our government. I mean, he is really going to remind us of the dark moments rather than just come out there and give a bunch of upbeat facts about his record that people might not be feeling
6: yeah, I think that's the right move. I think that he is uh, he would he would not people would be deaf and 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 not paying attention if he were just lolly la singing down down the street and skipping. Yeah. I think that that what he has to do is he has to take on Trump head on. What we're facing is incredibly, incredibly scary shit. and this legal stuff I'm reading is scary shit. And um, he is, is doing the right thing. I think that I hear what, what you're saying about having him at Planned Parenthood clinics. We know that he supports women and, and the right to have an abortion. And we know that, that he supports gay marriage. He's the one that brought Obama around on that. He is, I think, right to, to be, first of all, preoccupied a bit with the Middle East and, and be trying to deal with that nonsense. Um, and yeah. then also um you know trying to kick off his campaign i think that that he's he's handling it the right way yeah
5: yeah i i still think it, it would give a uh moral lift to, to these uh places uh who are doing this uh work and they're getting threats and all that kind of stuff so anyway yeah that was my I, I
6: think i, th- I think Thanks, what it would Brian. end up doing is give them commercial footage for republican ads
1: yeah. Oh, well, I just want to thank the writers of January 6th for giving the Democratic Party all the footage they need for all their ads this year. Brian, yes. thank you so, so much. Happy New Year. Stephen in Kentucky. Welcome. It's so good to have you with us. You're on SiriusXM. XM. Uh,
6: Stephen, how are you?
7: Uh, dear, I'm doing well. How are you?
6: I am ducky. I'm just dandy.
7: Well, that's good to hear. I hope you had a nice holiday uh, this year. Did you have a nice Christmas and then?
6: Oh, I had a, a wonderful one. It was great.
7: Well, that's good to hear. And uh, also, I wanted to give my best regards to uh, Michael from Brooklyn, and also Norman from Tampa. When he was talking about his story, I'm glad that uh, I salute his heroism, and I really uh, wish them the best in this. You're so kind.
1: Me too. Right on. Um, Thank you.
7: What I wanted to uh, talk about, uh, some things that came to my mind, but I have to mention this. I don't know if you all have talked about it this evening, this bomb threats that were going on today in state, yes. state capitals. Have you talked about that tonight? Or?
1: We did not talk about it tonight, but no, we, we had all the stories about public officials being swatted during Christmas break, but today it was just a uh, bomb threats going off all over the place.
6: Yes. No, people have my, nothing else better I, to
7: do. Oh yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. My state was one of the ones that experienced it today as well. And uh, I had mentioned, this before, but I think what really is going to have to happen here is that in order to uh, get some sort of solace, they need to have an anti-domestic terrorism act. Uh, They need to pass it into law. Um, What they need to do, and I mentioned this to Jamie Harrison, it's time to shame these people in these, uh, these Republicans in Biden districts who won't go along with this. Really, start publicizing them, and let's see how they like it. Because, to me, that is how you have to do this. This is ridiculous when we have to worry about not only state capitals, but schools and uh, churches, and you have to worry about movie theaters, hospitals, all these different places. You know, people need to feel a sense of security again. They do, and they sure as hell don't feel it. And we all know what this comes back to, the source of it, obviously. And it's not going to get any better until um, he's prosecuted and thrown in the slammer with the rest of the garbage. But I also wanted to mention this miscarriage in Ohio. Yes, yes. This woman who's being uh, harassed, you know, it really is interesting to me that these individuals have nothing better to do with their time. This woman endured a miscarriage. I don't know who the hell decided, who has nothing better to do with their lives but to report on this woman. You mm-hmm. know, she went through a traumatic ordeal and she's having to And she was sent home, sent home sent right home twice. Now.
1: Sent home twice by the hospital where she tried to get care. Don't leave that part out.
7: Oh, it's terrible. It's it's unconscionable, yeah. it is. And you know, this brings home we just had this other case in Texas where this woman is uh the government seems to be engaged in this handmaid's tale come to life where Yes. You know, th- that it's okay to sit there. I hate to, I hate to break it to them. But if it weren't for women to begin with, we would not have life. That's why they call it Mother Goddess. Why, that's you. why they call You're it right. Earth Mother. Yes. Because the, the fact is, you know, without you can't have one without the other. And I think that these men need, and I happen to be. A, if they want to go toe for toe, we can go for toe for toe because I happen to be a man myself. And real men, strong men, are not intimidated by the fact that you have evolution in our society. Oh,
1: that's so true. Having so true.
7: Share of the pie instead of making a giant. You're uh, not of talking
1: about real men. We're talking about Republicans, people who are governed by fear, well, people who use. Men. I will, well, I'm I, Tracy, let me, I'm let, me about, let me bring in Dr. Dr. Pearson into this.
6: Yeah, no, I, I think that at the core of what's happening here, you talk about Ohio, you talk about Texas. What you're talking about is um, people who are who are also responding to fear. You have doctors that are too afraid to perform the procedures and stand up and deal with the problem if if they should get confronted with an allegation you have ohio with somebody reporting it thinking that and i think i'll give them the benefit of the doubt they're reporting it because they don't want their ass in a sling should should something come around and so really everybody is responding to fear in response to these idiots um in government that want to control people's bodies and their destinies
1: so true Immigration, Steven?
7: too, because you know I love how the Republicans love to invoke immigration let 's talk about immigration. I talked to mike johnson 's office about this let 's talk about how it is that they always scapegoat the southern border and they never are interested in the northern and southern borders. You want borders they're never interested in the
1: majority. Stephen the majority of undocumented immigrants are people who didn't cross the border. they overstayed their visa and stuck around well, and Republicans are. will never talk about the majority well, of illegals. Because, you know, what
7: i as I've they said. They won't.
1: They, want, well, they need they to sell fear. You know Brown is, people at the border. 9
7: 11 came in through Canada. They did not come yes. in through Mexico. And number that, two. I
1: know, but that's not the Republican agenda. Facts don't matter. They've got to scare white people, and they have nothing to offer them to make their lives better. So that's well, I it. I hope
7: they enjoy their 15 minutes of shame because I'm going to tell you, I said this on Michelangelo Signorelli show today. I've prognosticated a Democratic landslide down the. I really do. I think that's what's going to happen. I've been talking with people, too. As of recent, and I think people are tired of this bullshit. I think most of us want stability again. Most of us want stability. And I tell you what, I'd like to see them try to tell me what I can and can't read because I have a few words for them. I'd like to see
1: that happen as well. I'd be thrilled to see them try and fuck with you that way, Stephen. Listen, thank you so much for the call. I tell you
7: what, they. They really want to fuck with me. I will consider a run for office. And I have a big mouth. I do. And if they think Donald Trump is a drama queen, why did they get a load of me? I have right. credentials as an actor.
1: Listen, I want to say to you, if you choose to run for office, you let me know. And I promise you, I will get Chris Houseell to donate a lot of money to your campaign. OK, <laughs> I'll do it in his name right now. I'll commit to it right now and we can work out the specifics later we'll double on. double down on Thank you so much for the call, Stephen. It's great to hear from you. 866-997-4748. Uh, Dr. Tracy, uh, but mm-hmm. I want to ask you briefly about Donald Trump and immunity, because I don't think this is going to go anywhere, but he's really trying to make this legal argument that he is immune from any crime he may have committed while in the White House. And I, when I was actually reading about the arguments his lawyers are making in this insurrection <laughs> case to Colorado, saying that the president... As an officer, he's the the actual the actual oath of office requires that he will preserve, protect and defend the Constitution, but not follow it. That's the argument they're making in court.
6: Oh, yes. Um, It's based on a case called Marbury v. Madison. If you think that what is happening today with the Supreme Court is is crazy. The precursor for it was Marbury v Madison, which was is the first case that you learn when you uh, take constitutional law in law school. And, um, you know, there was hotly uh, contested presidential election in the 1800s um, between John Adams, Jefferson and mm-hmm. Burr. and right. um, Jefferson and, and Adams were political rivals. Adams lost. Jefferson won. Um, In the last minute, Adams pushed through a bunch of uh, political appointments um, and outgoing secretary of state, John Marshall. um, He uh, could not deliver on all those appointments. And so um, the new secretary of state, James Madison, comes in. Jefferson tells Madison not to deliver the remaining um, commissions. And one of the commissions belonged to a guy named William Madbury. The reason why why this is important and those facts are important is because John Marshall, was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court at the time, when this case comes flying up uh, to, to the court, um, where Madbury is trying to enforce his commission. And right. what the court comes down and says is that when it's a discretionary act, you have absolutely no right to relief in the court. It's a political issue. When it's a ministerial act, when it's something that is guaranteed by law, it's a, it's a obligation by law, Then it's something that you can seek relief from. Ultimately, what they there's some other reasons for why the court makes the decision that it does. But Madbury can't get his judicial commission. Okay, so understanding that Trump misquotes the entire freaking case and says that this case stands for the idea that the president cannot be questioned. (laughs) Absolutely insane.
1: So Trump is either going to have a sympathetic judge or he has succeeded in delaying the inevitable a few days.
6: They would have to overturn Marbury v. Madison, which is the one that says this is the court decides what the law is. It is the case. It is it is it is the case. Um, And then he would he would basically every every judicial or, or rather every presidential decision that has ever been made would then not be able to be challenged in court.
1: So this is Nixon. This is Nixon. If the president this did is it, Nixon. it's not illegal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so
6: stupid. It's it, Nixon. In Nixon, uh, Fitzgerald v. Nixon, there was a case where Fitzgerald gets fired because he testifies in front That's of Congress brilliant. and the court holds that he um, he has no right to re, to recover because the president has civil immunity for official actions. That's not <sighs> this.
1: Well, Tracy, I just want to say it's true. If the president does it, it's not a crime. Donald Trump has full immunity. And we have to put Joe Biden in jail for things he might have done before he was president. This is the logic (laughs) we are faced with every day. We got to take a quick break. Can you stay with us, doctor, until after the break? I got a few more things I want to talk on your coat about. We'll be right back. Our number is 866-997-4748. I'm just getting warmed up here. We'll be right back. It's progress. I am joined by Dr. Tracy Pearson, who classes up the joint every Wednesday. Doctor, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your doings?
6: Oh, you can find me rambling everywhere at Tracy Explains, and I have a substack, Dr. Tracy Explains, and I have a website, tracyexplains.com.
1: And a fiery Twitter account. Thank you for not quitting. Um, so, so I want to play a really quick clip because this is fun. This is Ron DeSantis. He re- I, have you heard of this man, Ron DeSantis? Um, it's tragic. Exactly. I, I saw his campaign last year. It seems so healthy, but now it, it's, it's, it's not dead. It's just not woke. Um, but he, he wants you to know he has not gone soft on Donald Trump. He's just as hard for Trump now as he was in 2016. <laughs> and he'll prove it. Give a listen.
2: I've articulated all the differences time and time again on the campaign trail. I know. I just I think that there's just a narrative that I think the narrative is this. I think what the media wants is is they want Republican candidates to just kind of like smear him personally and kind of do that. That's just not how I roll.
1: Okay, so here's my question, doctor. I mean, these him and Haley, they they both said that they would they would pardon him. If they became president, they're behind him by double digits still. And they have both said they would vote for him if he was the nominee. So when you're this far behind, why are they even staying in the race? They're all just waiting to see if he becomes roadkill from one of these cases, right? That's it.
6: They... They're all auditioning to for his vice presidential pick. I mean, I, the folks on, on, you know, in the audience couldn't see him. He actually was on his knees with his his paws up. And he was like drooling when he said that, because he absolutely is is somebody who is kissing Donald Trump's butt, just like Haley is. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I think Haley seems to be nakedly auditioning for a vice president slot, which is strange because she uh, is hated by Donald Trump and he is brutally brutally abusing her but i think you know it's not the craziest idea if she can manage to get the mainstream media to have the kind of kid gloves they have right now she'd be a good running mate for him
6: hey look he brutally abused mike pence too you know, so I, I'm not going to well take he, brutally, that he, as an he brutally
1: abused Mike Pence after he was vP. He's brutally abusing Nikki Haley after she's been his <laughs> you know u <laughs> n secretary, but i mean but but I certainly think that Donald Trump would have her as his running mate if he thought that would help him win. I, I think she would too. Would I don't think they believe in anything but power.
6: Yeah, I think he he's afraid of women. I think that he, he, if anything, he's going to pick DeSantis, and I'm I'm just throwing bunches here because I think that he is, he is generally afraid of women and and doesn't want anybody any woman to have any sort of control over him.
1: That's what I've always said. Donald Trump is only afraid of two things in the entire world: a strong woman and a strong wind. Dr. Tracy <laughs> Pearson, it is so nice having you with us. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Next week, we'll talk about the Epstein list, all right? We'll have more, more filled out information by then. I want to thank all of our guests tonight, and thank you, as always, to the most dangerous production team in all of broadcasting, Chris Hauselt in the South, and the great Thea Harper. In the borough of Brooklyn, I'm John saying Thank you guys so much for being with us tonight. Keep it tuned to progress. We will see you on stage in San Francisco on Saturday, the 20th, for the Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour. Peace.